When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Brought to you by North Memorial Health, where customers are treated like family. That means a big smile when you walk in the door and making sure your visit is as pleasant as possible. Just like your family treats you, find your health family at northmemorial.com slash family. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. <laughs> It's Purple Daily. If you have 10 attempts in a game, you know, it is what it is. You're not going to go there and say, hey, man, you know, you should have had 18 catches today. You only had 10 attempts. So we got to be realistic and look at this with honesty. Come on. You know, it's, it's a small number of attempts at times. And then when it is a moment where you say, hey, man, I had you there, you go up to him and you say, I had you there. My fault. You know, I missed that one. That hurt us. And you move on. And, you know, that's, that's just quarterbacking 101 that's the way I've, I've handled it since I was you know in high school playing with guys just having a constant dialogue that was Minnesota Vikings quarterback Kirk Cousins who is being filleted roasted demolished in the national media today for an apology to Adam Thielen after he missed the Alana pass and then Thielen had some comments after the game he was asked on a podcast that he does for the Vikings whether he um, was okay with what Thielen said, and then Cousin said, if anything, I should apologize for missing him with the pass, or something to that extent. That's the uh, synopsis of it. And uh, that means absolutely nothing in comparison to the fact that Stefan Diggs is not practicing today. And as far as I could tell... In the game against Chicago, he did not suffer any specific injury. He has not talked to the media, did not talk today, which would be a usual day for him to talk, did not talk last week, did not talk after the game, and tweeted emojis and retweets and such because this is our world now and I have to follow people on Twitter who matter for these types of things. Uh, Yes, and he tweeted out the emoji that had no mouth, as if to say, I'm not saying anything about this. And I always felt that Stefan Diggs, if he were upset, we wouldn't hear about it until it was over because it's just his personality. That last year, before the Vikings played the New Orleans Saints, Diggs went sort of MIA in the locker room because he didn't want everybody writing stories. Diggs remembers the Minneapolis miracle and on and on and on. He didn't want that type of attention. He wanted to just keep it about the team, so he decided not to talk. And then earlier this year, I thought it was very interesting, after the interception thrown by Kirk Cousins in the end zone in the direction of Diggs, he came out and gave a 
remarkably detailed statement about how he was supporting Cousins and it was partially his fault because he couldn't knock the ball down, which isn't true. He actually got pushed down, um, which could have been pass interference, but who the hell knows in 2019 what pass interference is. But the point was just he took a very different tone than I had really seen him take in a, in a long time about how he was supporting Cousins, and it just felt like he had done that by design. Not that he thought he was trying to get out at that point, but just sort of trying to... Um, intentionally go out and say, no, 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 this thing that you think is a thing, it's not a thing, which is the same exact feeling of Adam Thielen being on Kirk Cousins' podcast on Monday is when they recorded it and then they played it on the radio after. It had the same exact feeling of being very, there's nothing to see here. See, the receiver is sitting next to me on this podcast and we're just talking. No big deal. Um, what's going on right now with the Vikings? And, and we'll talk to Sage Rosenfels here shortly. Is a de- It's a big deal. I, I mean, what's happening right now, the amount of tension in that building, as everyone understands, that if they do not get going and win some big games here, that, I mean, almost anything is on the table. Uh, I don't know if um, exactly benching Kirk Cousins would be one of those things that are that are on the table, but when it comes to almost anything else, including a potential Stephon Diggs trade, if he is... Um, possibly demanding a trade here or or skipping practice until they move him. I mean, I don't know. I mean, he might have tweaked an ankle this morning. I'm not sure. But when a guy completely no-shows in the locker room for quite some time when he has never done that before, aside from that one time before New Orleans, and that was for a very different reason, and then he showed extreme frustration on the sideline, and even though he had catches in that game, there were many more opportunities, especially after I went out and watched the tape last night. I went all the way through it last night. I had just sort of skimmed through, but after going all the way through it, it was super clear how many times Diggs was wide open and could have been hit for big gains by Kirk Cousins, even when Cousins wasn't pressured, but it was obvious that Cousins was seeing ghosts, and he even admitted to it today, more or less, that the opportunities were missed and that he felt like he had a lot more throws there. But this is sort of the same song and dance that we have had a number of times with Kirk Cousins. So let's uh, welcome in Sage Rosenfels here. Sage, um, the uh, this whole situation, this whole situation. Jump just right in, like- Sage. Hi, how you doing, man? I'm feeling <laughs> I'm, good today. I'm doing great. I'm listening to you for the last couple of minutes, and I just want to say, like, this whole situation just feels like a pass interference call. <laughs> you know, it's like, uh, what's going on? Yes. And uh, I feel like I'm seeing things. Uh, I'm not sure whose fault it is. It's could be offense, could be defense. There might be review. What's really going on? And at the end of the day, it's like nobody knows what pass interference is. Yes. And so and I feel it's right. It's just sort of a uh, um, uh, uh, it's a, a blank storm, or it seems like that, right? So it's it's not good. Um, it's not a good situation. You know, I've seen. Stefan Diggs, he, he's and, and you want guys that are competitors. He and Adam are both uh, extremely, you know, strong-willed. I guess might be a, you know, mm-hmm. I, I've yep. got I've got kids, that. right? So that's a word I use when they're just almost stubborn. But sometimes that's your greatest strength. And the both guys want the ball because they get open and and they're good football players and they they know they can help out this football team. So uh, the frustration is going to happen. It happens a lot less when you win, but when you lose, it it, it happens. But 
You know, and it, it's, it hasn't been, you know, for these guys, it's not just really these four games. They're going back to probably some frustrations from last year, too, even though they had a lot of production last year. Uh, but there, I'm sure there's still some frustration. And then this year, you know, Diggs has been targeted 19 times this year. Uh, and last year he was targeted 149 times. Yeah. All right, we're, we're a quarter of the way through the season, so I'm not a genius, but I know 19 is close to 20, <laughs> and 20 times 4 is 80. And so that's about half as much uh, as 149. So he is way down. Uh, not only the, the production of actually catches, but uh, the, the production of just targets. And um, so, and then you lose. Um, and you lose in, in probably games that they, he thought that you know they, they could definitely win. And I think the Vikings could have won that game uh, the other night with just good quarterback play, just not even great quarterback play to go into Chicago, but just good quarterback play. And uh, obviously that's you know it's spilling over a little bit. So you know we'll see how this thing unfolds. I think it's sort of day to day and hour to hour. And and you know it, you know Twitter's interesting. Sometimes the the smallest emoji or smallest word can make all the difference and can paint a huge picture and and so um you know i said we'll, we'll see what happens but it's everyone's a little frustrated it's not just the fans and not not even just us i mean but we're frustrated too but you know the probably the most frustrated people are those players who aren't having the production they feel like they should have what was your feeling when uh, you and i were sitting there in the soldier field press box watching Diggs throw his hands up in the air and shout at someone on the sideline and then have to be calmed down by kyle rudolph and i think xavier rhodes too on the sideline because i thought Oh boy, I, I saw this in training camp. I mean, I, I saw him lose his cool at one point when Cousins wouldn't throw the ball down the field in a camp rep where, I'm not kidding, he literally checked it down to the fullback when Stefan Diggs had... I mean, imagine what Diggs does to great corners. Now, going against a practice squad corner, he like destroyed the guy's soul, and I'm surprised he ever put on a uniform again. And Diggs was so wide open, and Cousins didn't throw it. This is in camp, but he was so upset. I mean, he ripped off his helmet, and we he, he's definitely a guy who burns hot. And he was screaming back, and he, he was using hot. some unfortunate language. And I mean, he was really, really upset. And so my thought was at that moment, if this happens in a game, we're going to see another blow up with a wide receiver and Kirk Cousins. And in that case, um, we didn't see him get anywhere near Kirk, but we did see the blow up. And then the fact that he didn't talk after the game, hasn't, didn't talk today, isn't at practice today. I mean, it's, it's hard to deny that it all is sort of adding up to the same conclusion. Well, but is he upset at just Kirk? Probably not. He, is he upset at maybe Kevin Stefanski or, or, and or Gary Kubiak or the, the O-line coach who, you know, maybe he's upset because his guys aren't blocking well enough to get him the ball. I mean, he could be upset at a lot of different people. Uh, and uh, but you, listen, at the end of the day, football is the ultimate team sport. I, I was told that at an early age. I think it was my high school coach. He's like, you know, football is the greatest game ever invented because it is the ultimate team sport, and everyone has to do their job for the whole thing to be productive. It's not like tennis or wrestling or or even even basketball. When there's only five guys. There's so many people that go involved in the thing. It's the ultimate team sport, and and you know when you're frustrated. Um, you, you have to find ways to deal with it, whether you're on a, the, the tennis court by yourself and you're frustrated with yourself or you're in a team sport and you're frustrated with somebody else. You have to find a, a, a more positive way to do it. And, and uh, you know, so if, if I were in that organization, whether I was Rick Spielman, Mike Zimmer, Kevin Stefanski, definitely if I was his quarterback or his receivers coach, I'd have a, a, a true heart-to-heart with him. 
about, you know, is what he's doing. He throws his hands off after, you know, he runs a really good route, gets open, and either Kirk doesn't throw him the ball or maybe Kirk's been sacked by then. And he's just frustrated because he won on third and six, and, and he was at 12 yards. That doesn't do really anything positive for the team. Mm-hmm. It, it produces negative energy. Uh, it produces frustration in other people. It actually shows people like us. Uh, to start looking at things that, you know, that we should be talking about other things, but it turns into a little more of a soap opera. So I would have that heart to heart with him, uh, about not having that type of energy. Um, and we just can't have it. And we're going to try to get you the ball. We're, we're trying to do this and we're happy to, you know, uh, you know, be his friend, but you, listen, you got to help us out. You can't have it because it's, it, it will hurt the football team. It's, it's not going to help them win more games. It never does. And, um, so. Uh, yeah, I, I would try to ha- see if he could handle that much better. So, uh, yeah, I, I can't just in general. I mean, even if it's practice too, but like it's just I, here's where I'm it's at. Not help though. anybody when you do that. I can't help but get to a place where I wouldn't disagree with him if he said, "Is there any way you guys could send me to New England?" I mean, <laughs> right? Like the way that this whole I, I thing wish, feels. I, I, it's too bad that you, we, you, we can't, uh, you know, go back in time and you can somehow be a professional football player wide receiver i'd like to see your frustration <laughs> oh you mean me personally well yeah yeah like somehow i, I think you that, were well, stefan Diggs's body well i am kind of like that too i think um you're you, a fiery guy you saw frustration for me when we got thrown out of soldier field um a little bit i didn't think i was rude to the people i think i just was upset that we like we're not being allowed to record our podcast it's like i really need to do this for my job but anyway i, I, I don't think you get to uh describe if you were rude or not but i can probably describe it and i say you're slightly rude but it's fine i was just ready to move on <laughs> all right maybe i maybe i was i didn't i didn't think it was too bad i think, I, was, I think they were rude too though as much as chicago you know yeah they, I, they weren't uh really want to help out the vikings it, podcast it, it so. was probably like noticeable frustration i don't think i said anything that was like but here's the magical part though we <laughs> left the stadium because we couldn't find a spot mm-hmm. we walked for 15 minutes we talked about the game and probably other things. We sat down on a bench on a beautiful evening in Chicago. We recorded a, a great podcast after a very frustrating game, but it gave us a second to uh, to think about it. And, and I thought it was probably better than doing it, you know, in the press conference in some sort of hurry. So maybe that's you know, as I said, I, I so think you're saying that, that's what Diggs needs to do. He needs Diggs to do a podcast needs, in the park. Needs to take take a walk. It's maybe very walk scenic around. Uh, uh, Lake Cal, uh, not Lake Calhoun, Lake uh, was it Badadmaska is how they say it now. Uh, I've um, heard different one of those pronunciations, but it yeah, does yeah, have yeah. different Maybe go out on the yeah. boat, maybe go out in Minnetonka and, and uh, <laughs> go on the boat and go do some fishing with Chad Greenway and his like nine daughters that he has. Cleanse himself it, in the yeah, waters of Lake sort of Minnetonka. Give, is that what you're just a little different perspective? <laughs> a little different perspective. Like man, life, life. I know you're a little frustrated, like in the catches, but. You know, you're making great money. You're a yeah. star. You're a great yeah. player. You got a lot of years ahead of you. This is a good football team. We're going to figure it out. Have some faith. And, uh, and if I was a coach, I'd get him the ball this week. That's what I would do. Yeah, <laughs> I know. He's going to have mean, a it's minimum about, it's 15 about time. attempts but, or something. But, you his know, way. From his perspective, I think that there are other things at play than just, hey, we're 2-2 two and two and I haven't gotten the ball. If this was just 
starting now, and it was the first couple games of the Kirk Cousins era, and Zimmer was saying, oh, I want to run the ball. Well, he's always said that. Pat Shermer said today on his conference call, yeah, Zimmer loves running the ball and playing defense, and you know, Shermer had a, a very efficient passing game when he was here. So, you know, you're allowed to do that still, even if the head coach wants you to run the football. But I think that it's been building for a little while now with Stephon Diggs. And, you know, you go back to even in 2017 where they were more of a running team, but also that's when Adam Thielen is sort of growing his star at the same time. And what you have is a guy who's always talked about first, like, oh, Thielen. And they also have Diggs and things like that. And I think Diggs watches his tape and says, you know, I look around the league and I think I'm one of the best wide receivers and every bit of analytic data backs that up, by the way, that he is one of the best receivers and he, he knows listen, that he, he's going to get another contract someday. And if he's yeah. got a, a season in there, well, what happened in this season? You got 40 catches. I don't know if we can give you that big second contract. And I think that there are other things at play that go just beyond. We've made it a lot about Kirk Cousins, but if he is indeed as frustrated as it's showing right now, then... You know, I, I think it does have something to do with all these other factors that go into it. Well, he is extremely talented. And, you know, two years ago, he ends a season uh, with the Minneapolis Miracle. You know, it's one of the most historic plays in Vikings history. Sure, I think it was in the a top 100, uh, you know, greatest plays in NFL history mm-hmm. uh, recently. Maybe like a top 25 or something like that. So this amazing play. And then last year just blows it up. I mean, 102 catches last year, over 1,000 yards. And really put himself in that top echelon, that conversation sometimes that, you know, some people are having with the, the I'm sure he wants to be in the Julio Jones uh, you know, conversation or, yep. you know, some, some of the, the great, great players, great receivers in the league. And maybe he's just below that. And he maybe you put another hundred yard catch this, you know, seasons uh, or, or catches together in the next two seasons or, you know, 90 plus or whatever and consistently be that thousand yard deal. And, you know, he wants to have a Hall of Fame career. Mm-hmm. Uh, right, I mean that's what he wants to be. He wants to have a Hall of Fame career. He's always sort of the under, you know, the, always been the undersized guy or the lower draft pick or the whatever. I mean Antonio Brown. I want to compare him to Antonio Brown, but had that same thing where he was the, you know, not the the highest round, mm-hmm. first round, top ten pick, not the Julio Jones, and always sort of had that chip on his shoulder. And, and has had a great career so far, but he wants it to continue, and it's probably been shockingly bad. Uh, you know, for him this year, and it's like he almost doesn't know how to handle it. And um, but but yeah, but he he is a competitor, and uh, but he's had so much production in the past. I'm sure he's just very frustrated. He's not ha- he's not having that production so far this season. All right, Sage. Take- by the way, he does. I will say this. Remember, we talked about we thought Thielen's and and uh, Diggs's yards per catch would go up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's look at the positive. Sixteen point one yards per catch this year. It was at ten last year. One of the worst in the NFL amongst receivers over like 40 catches. I think it maybe was the worst of wide receivers over 40 or 50 right, catches. They were using it year. as a run game, basically. Like yeah, to throw it was him all these I mean, So he was getting yeah. more touches, but he, you know, he does, you know, he is averaging 16 yards a completion. But yeah, he is such a phenomenal player. You'd like to get the ball in your hands of your best players, and the Vikings have been, you know, uh, sort of playing it close to the vest so far this season. Yeah, and I, I would add that. I'm not sure we would be having the conversation with Thielen or Diggs if they were three and one or four and zero. Oh, but the fact that Cousins throws a key interception and then forgets how to go through his reads and starts checking down to Amir Abdullah and C.J. Ham late in the game, I think that that all those things play into it of feeling like 
can we really win here? I mean, all these guys stayed because they thought they could win a Super Bowl, and they were all told when they signed Kirk Cousins, yeah, this is going to be the guy who gets you over the top. He's going to be the one where you can win a Super Bowl. And there just isn't much evidence that that can actually happen so far. I mean, I would never count anything in the world out. Rex Grossman represented the uh, NFC one year in the Super Bowl. But if you're looking for how much evidence that uh, that could actually happen right now with this quarterback – there isn't that much, so I think there's a lot of factors that uh, would be playing into Stefan Diggs's frustration. So let's take a, a quick break. Let's come back. Let's talk about the apology, Sage. It has sent shockwaves through America. The apology from Kirk Cousins to Adam Thielen. Let's discuss when we return. We'll be right back here on Purple Daily. North Memorial Health has over 400 care providers. That's right, more than 400 care providers and more than 6,000 team members that are dedicated to keeping you healthy. North Memorial Health is proud to partner with the Minnesota Vikings as they work to make Minnesota the healthiest in the league. They're more than a team at North Memorial Health. They're your family. At North Memorial Health, customers are treated like family. Your health family is more than a tagline. It's a commitment to delivering unmatched customer service. That means a big smile when you walk in the door. That means making sure your visit is as pleasant as possible. It means asking, what else can we do for you? North Memorial Health will treat you like family in a good way. The people at North Memorial Health will team up with you to help you achieve your best health. So step up your health care game today and find your health family at northmemorial.com slash family. Once again, that's northmemorial.com slash family. But I always say this. It was like Kirk Cousins' dad took him when he was six years old and said, this is the way a quarterback talks. This is the way a quarterback behaves. And to me, this is all show. Because if you're really sorry to to Adam Thielen, if you really feel like it's my bad, you know all you have to say to Adam Thielen because he's a grown man that plays in the NFL. Hey, man, that's my bus. I'm going to get better. All right, Ryan Clark of ESPN going off on Kirk Cousins for apologizing to Adam Thielen. And I would like to just start out before I get your reaction as a real NFL quarterback, Sage, by giving you my quick perspective on this, which is, yeah, okay. I mean, there are 50 reasons that you could have walked out of the Chicago game to rip Kirk Cousins. And when I watched the tape back, I had just as many complaints about the offensive line. But there were plenty of times where I was like, Oh my gosh, it's worse than I thought. But, uh, you know, that wasn't one of them. This this would not be one of the things that I would rip Kirk Cousins for saying on a podcast, well, if anything, I should go over to Thiel and say, sorry, I overthrew him. Like, I don't know. I mean, I, I guess I just don't see what the big deal would be with that. I thought it was a much bigger deal last year when he was saying, oh, that fumble at the end of the Rams game, not on me, not pointing at anybody specifically, <coughs> left tackle, not, you know, I... I thought that this is a much better approach to say, uh, look, you know, uh, that's that's kind of on me, than it is to start blaming everybody else. Yeah, I mean, I think all you can really do uh, as an athlete and again in a team sport is to say, I have to play better. When you guys get open, I have to throw it to you. That's my job. And uh, I missed you in the game, and I'm going to try to hit you the next time. I'm going to keep fighting, trying to keep keep trying to get better. And, and sort of just take that ownership. I don't think... I have no issue with him, I guess, publicly expressing that he, you know, talked to to Adam and and uh, uh, and, you know, basically, I don't want to say apologize, but you know, said yeah, he's got he's got him when he's open, and uh, I think it's like it's like damn if you do, damn if you don't. If he doesn't do that, people are like he needs to apologize to his receivers because they're so good and they're getting open, he can't give them the right. football. If I were them, I'd be upset. So, 
you know, I, I think at the end of the day, uh, he has to play better, and he has to just say, I have to play better. We all have to play better, but i got to do my job. I mean, that's like the Bill Belichick thing. Do your job. And uh, if Kirk Cousins does his job better, uh, the Vikings will win more games. So I have uh, um, more of a, a different perspective on this than, well, you got to be a dog out there. Well, that I'm sorry. It's just, you can't. That just I seems. Mean, imagine if Kirk came out and was just like, the, they can catch it when I throw it at them. You'd be like, what is this, prison Mike from the office? Like, well, it's, it's like they want him <laughs> to be, like, do you want him to be like Baker Mayfield? You know, walk around with just not. all that That's swag. And, he should just be and, himself. And, and spit and vinegar and just, you know, <laughs> like from the old school, you know, right? So what Ryan Clark said this morning I found interesting is it's almost like he was trying to say Kirk Cousins is disingenuous or it's contrived. Sure, sure, sure. Would that make, make sense? And I would Like it's sort of by design. Yeah. Like uh, it's yes. almost like a, like a, like a politician mm-hmm. giving a speech and 100%. didn't seem authentic. So this is exactly where I was going with it because so, – it says, yeah, go ahead. It, it says to me, going out there and attempting to do some sort of damage control on what Thielen said after the game, which was an honest Thielen, and I believe that Thielen, not the other one that tried to walk it all back, of course. Um, but I think what it says is, anytime Cousins comes out and, and says something like, well, well, I just don't know what's getting said out there. I guess you guys would have to tell me what's being said or how I'm being criticized. That, uh, yeah, that's not true. <laughs> I mean, it's 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 clear that he can feel the walls closing in. It's clear to me that he can feel the tension from the fan base. That he can feel the tension in the locker room. That he's hearing the it's noise like he's standing from the over a four it's like he's standing over a four foot putt and it's uphill but it feels like it's downhill and <laughs> it's like it's got some movement to it and you just it's like the most uncomfortable it's hard to play football like that yeah. you know what i mean like you're walking on eggshells yeah it just it just feels to me like last year as he's going through the season there was somebody to point the finger at and that was john j d filippo right yeah, and we pointed was... at, i pointed we pointed the finger ourselves and i wouldn't take it back because there were a lot of things that we looked at on tape and said okay what are they doing here right and so i wouldn't take any of that back they couldn't run the ball for uh, anything and this year they've got the same running back and he's having success running the ball but the uh... and, and you, they didn't there i think there's a happy medium there's like somewhere between where they are now which is very close to the vest and conservative, and that might be either Kevin Stefanski, that might be Gary Kubiak, that might be what Adam or Mike, not Adam Zimmer, Mike Zimmer wants. Like, I want you guys to be more conservative, yada, yada. Right. But at last year, we thought they were too aggressive. You know, we didn't want to, you don't want to lead the league in passing yards with Kirk Cousins, your quarterback. They're just going to be more, a lot, bad things to have all these fumbles occur on passing plays, obviously. So, somewhere in the middle, I think, would make everybody happy. But where I was going with it is there was somebody last year to say, ah, I don't know, this offensive coordinator, man, he doesn't know what he's doing. I think he's, you know, too inexperienced or doesn't know how to run the ball or whatever. But now, there's no one else to point the finger at. I mean, if you go to Chicago and no-show and can't outperform Chase Daniels, and if you go to Green Bay and Delvin Cook is running wild and Alexander Madison's running wild and all you need to do is manage the game and you manage to lose the game instead, and, and then you have everybody who was frustrated with you last year who was all told, all of them were told, hey, it was Filippo, man. We just had to change the scheme. Kirk will be fine now. We just have to give it to Delvin and everything be fine we'll hit these deep shots that's what we'll do and then it comes out and you go two and two but two of the games are like the easiest wins and the defense really did it and the two games that mattered he no showed in you know it's sort of like yeah fool me once but not 
again, right? And so I could see where it's not just the fan base. It's also inside the locker room, inside the front office, that everybody is feeling this tension. Like, if this doesn't change quickly, and I'm thinking not against New York, but against Philadelphia, at Detroit, like those games, then... I mean, you're going to have a lot of people looking over at that quarterback saying, what is going on here, man? We're all losing because of you. Yeah, the the thing is, it feels like it's slowly building, right? Yep, absolutely. And so what happens the next game? And let's let's just say he plays great to the next game all right what happens after that okay we do know he can play great you yeah. know they they got in this they got in the shootout he threw 45 passes uh you know threw a couple touchdowns brought us back from 10 in the fourth quarter boom that like that changes the entire conversation right uh but what if he plays poorly again and then that sort of continues and steamrolls and then you go man next year there's 29.5 million next year mm-hmm like they cannot have him back after that, so they're going to eat twenty nine point five million dollars. Or like, can you trade him to somebody else and take twenty million of the salary cap hit and let them only take nine point? Like, all these things sort of start going through your mind, and um, and then it's like, well, now what do we do? We got to go out for probably start a rookie or someone super cheap because we're already spending thirty million dollars in our cap on a quarterback that's not going to be on the football team, and and it like that's that's where this thing could go. Right, and um, I would hate for there to be major changes. For me, uh, I'd hate for there to be major changes in the organization. I hate it when people start talking about the fire the GM and fire the coach. I think Mike Zimmer is a really good football coach. I truly do. And I was around the game for a long time, and I saw good coaches and I saw bad coaches. And I think he's a good football coach. A lot of these guys wouldn't sign back, particularly on defense. They wouldn't sign back if they didn't like him, mm-hmm. you know, just for the money. They go somewhere else that um, you know a guy they thought was a winner, and because uh, those guys they they know what it takes. Guys like Harrison Smith, they know what it takes to to you know uh, to, to be a great coach as as a player. So um, I don't like you know hearing that. And, I, and actually, I I really do believe over his years here, really long tenure, Rick Spielman and and, and George Payton and that crew, for the most part, this team has had. Uh, better than half, better than top half talent. You know, there hasn't been too many years where it's like, man, we're one of the least talented teams in the league. There's a lot of teams that can say that. Uh, it feels like to me this team has had a lot of really good talent. Sometimes it feels like, t- you know, top five talent even, in particular on defense. But the issue is this quarterback position. Right. And they made a big play. And, you know, I, I don't like to say, like, you know, Spillman put all his chips on the table. You know, I think that's just like he went. He made a play, and this was the, they were trying to get the best quarterback possible. That they felt like they had this window, they had this team. They weren't in development mode of drafting a rookie, and they went in that direction. And that's not a nobody um, thought that was a crazy idea to go out there and try to get the best free agent possible. And it's mm-hmm. rare that a starting quarterback is a free agent. So you know, maybe with a better football team, and you assume that Washington didn't have a great football team because they're the, because it's Washington and it's owned by Dan Snyder. So like, oh, he probably didn't have this, that, or the other. So, but we're gonna, we're gonna make him better. And, uh, but those results have not happened. And, uh, you know, just because that hasn't worked out doesn't mean that everyone should, you know, we should completely change everything that we're doing. That makes any sense. You know, just because you missed the, the late game field goal doesn't mean you had a terrible game plan. You know, uh, so but but what are they going to do between now uh, and what 12, 13 weeks from now? Right. You know, week 17. 
what's going to happen. It's, it it might be a soap opera. It might get super interesting, and uh, or it might get really exciting. Where this, we look back on this moment, we say, you know, that when Stefan Diggs was upset and that Bears loss and freaking Chase Daniel and this, that, and the other. Maybe that was the time that the whole thing came together and the backs were against the wall. And you know, Kirk uh, played better from there on out, and boom, they're you know now we're in the championship game in the NFC. I mean, who knows what's going to happen? Well, okay, so everything you laid out there is a hundred percent correct with. You know how good this team is, the talent that they've been able to build, and Mike Zimmer's success as a head coach, and that's kind of the reason that we're in this position. I know. I well, mean, did you, I mean, question: Did you like the draft this year? Um, yeah, I think yeah, so. Well, I like the draft too. We'll see Bradbury, how works Bradbury's out, been a challenge, right? I mean, that's he is not playing well in particular. But in Smith, Madison, Samia like might Madison, be good. Yeah, right. It's a fine uh, I draft. like what Irv Smith's doing. I, I think there's some good players in this draft. There's teams that like have complete whiffs on drafts, mm-hmm. like the Colts for a couple of years. Like they they didn't have a player on the team uh, from like three drafts in a row, like four years later or something like that. I mean, they got rid of everybody. They do generally draft, I think, you know, pretty well, and some good players that come out of that, and they found some diamonds in the rough. This is a talented football team, and one of the reasons that we're having this frustration is because Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen are, are very talented receivers, but we're not seeing that production, so we know they're good players, so what's the problem? And it's the person on the other end of that connection. Right, and everybody knows from Rick Spielman to Mike Zimmer and all the way down the entire coaching staff, the entire locker room, the defense, these guys who have done their job through four weeks for sure and don't seem to be allowed to even make mistakes mistakes. They don't seem to be allowed as a defense in 2019 to give up 21 or to have Chase Daniel slowly drive down the field and bleed the clock against them. I mean, these things happen with the amount of great schemes we have in the NFL, the amount of talent for playmakers, the rules are set up. It's not 1986 anymore. You can't just shut out everyone. And yet, they're going to look over there and say, just like Everson Griffin after the game, uh, yeah, we played pretty good on defense to give up just 16 points to a very talented Chicago Bears team. And I, I think well, that that's where I, I, it comes I, from. And I don't think that's a bad thing as a, as a, as a player. Uh, because you know football is interesting where you know you have sort of I mean you have sort of two sides of the ball and you know once like we don't you don't offensive guys aren't around defensive guys for most of the day you know when meetings and walkthroughs and even at practice like you sort of stand on the other sides of the field a lot of times so it's sort of like you guys take care of your business and we take care of our business and and it's a hard spot for the defense to be and I've had similar situation when i was in miami our defense we had one year eight pro bowlers on our team <laughs> seven on defense we had seven pro bowlers on defense in 2002 that's crazy we had ricky williams on offense who ran for 1850 yards or something like that and uh so can you imagine the games that they went through for years mm-hmm. of you know an offense that was ranked in the top bottom you know probably eight in the league uh and this defense that was always in the top five and mm-hmm. we were consistently going like nine and seven and ten and six and nine and seven like Imagine how many frustrating flights that you know Jason Taylor and Zach Thomas and those guys had coming <laughs> yeah. home of like we held them to 280 yards and our offense had 12 first downs. You know what I mean? Like that's got to be so frustrating. All right, let's take a break. Uh, I wrote the case for. Uh, both for and against Kirk Cousins to turn this thing around. I looked at a lot of different numbers. Some say that he can, some say that he can't. And so I want to run those by you when we return. 
Sage Rosenfels, our journeyman quarterback correspondent, Matthew Collar here. You're listening to Purple Daily on Score North. Football fans, it's Mackie here for Federated Insurance. You might not know this about me, but I've been a business owner a couple different times in my life. I can relate to the roller coaster ride, the never-ending sea of problems to solve, the exhilaration of those incremental wins. If you're a business owner, I recommend getting to know Federated, which has over a century of experience in protecting businesses and making them as successful as they can be. You want a company like Federated standing behind your business. Visit FederatedInsurance.com to find your local representative. Federated Mutual Insurance Company. It's our business to protect yours. Jonathan here with the Score North Download. It's been 10 years since we all went on a ride with Brett Favre, and we're doing a deep dive into every aspect of that 2009 Viking season. Join Sage Rosenfels, Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad, and Ryan Longwell on Minnesota Sports Rewind 2009 Vikings Edition. On demand right now anywhere you find your favorite podcast, or just go to scorenorth.com and click on Shows. That's Minnesota Sports Rewind. We've been talking about the apology that Kirk Cousins gave to Adam Thielen. Zimmer talked about it in his press conference this morning. Here's what he had to say about it. It was probably just being nice. I mean, I mean, seriously, I'm not worried about it. Maybe you should get off the podcast. Duly noted, sir. That's been your Score North download. Now back to more analyzing of that apology with Matthew Collar and Sage Rosenfeld. Thank you, Jonathan. Um, Zimmer seemed confused about what was even really being discussed at that time, and then just told everyone to listen to Purple Daily. It was super weird. He just gets to the end of the po- uh, the end of the podium uh, session, and he just says, um, "If you guys have not." Not only downloaded Purple Daily, but also given it a rating and a review, yeah. then you're crazy. And Specifically uh, a five-star rating. Yeah. Well, I mean, he didn't specify, but I, that was sort of assumed since he was giving that yeah. endorsement to everyone. You know, I, I do have a question uh, for you. Quite a turn for Zimmer there. The <laughs> beginning part of him talking about it, he was talking about, it seemed like he was talking about some he other He was talking apology. about something else, but I don't know what he was okay. talking about. We never got a clarification about that. That was going to be my question yeah, of what I don't he was know. talking about, because I have no idea. I, Is not, there another apology out there somewhere by someone? I, no, I don't know. I honestly yeah. don't know. Anyway, um, okay, Sage, here's what I got for you. I have a bunch of numbers for Kirk Cousins. Literally hundreds of numbers for Kirk Cousins. I went through all of his career stuff and everything else, and then what he's done so far this year. And the strongest case that I can give you for Kirk Cousins bouncing back and having a good NFL season this year is that he usually has before. I mean, all the numbers in the past, and I don't just mean the you know to- yards totals, because I don't think those tell you anything. John Kitna threw for four thousand yards too. Like congratulations, but even when you look I threw at- for four thousand yards. No, you didn't. For your Over career, twelve years. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Yeah, <laughs> twelve twelve total starts, six and six. You and Kirk, five hundred quarterbacks. You guys. Yep. Um, <laughs> and Rex Grossman. Uh, is is Rex Grossman a five hundred quarterback? Well, yeah, I think he played the Redskins. Those years of the Redskins weren't nice to him. I don't okay. Think. Well, you know, he played like an RG three got it, hurt, and here's the thing that's insane about journeyman backup quarterbacks is how often they're almost exactly five hundred. You were right, twenty five and twenty two. How about Kyle Orton is forty two and forty? Like almost all of these guys are exactly five hundred, which is what's kind of concerning about the fact that. Kirk Cousins is 500 this far into his career. But- by the way, by the, way the, the whole uh, thing with, like, our wins a quarterback stat, like, 
yes, there it is yes and no. Yeah. I mean, like, no, they're not totally responsible, but, you know, if they're a pitcher and they're giving up eight runs a game, like, they are responsible. Like, the quarterback does have his ball, the ball in his hands the most of, of any player in the team. They have the most responsibility. So, I mean, to not, I mean, to not think Tom Brady's, Ability to win isn't a staff for Tom Brady is crazy too, right? So I mean, it is. I think it it is, but it's it's not everything. I guess what I'm trying to I, say. I always looked at it the same exact way. I mean, when here's here's the all time winning percentage. The people who say, "Oh, quarterback wins," they don't tell you anything. I'll give you the all time winningest quarterbacks: Brady, Manning, Favre, Breeze, Elway, Marino, Roethlisberger, Tarkenton, Rivers, Unitas, Montana. Manning, other Manning, Bradshaw, Matt Ryan, actually surprisingly there, but like you're t- Aaron Rodgers, Jim Kelly, Donovan McNabb. You're talking about mostly these are amazing quarterbacks, especially the guys at the top. The great quarterbacks usually win more than they lose, and then the middling quarterbacks they vary up and down depending on what they have for a team. So Rex Grossman can somehow go thirteen and three, and then two and five the following year when he's either been figured out or whatever else. So I I tend to start with. The record, first, first thing I look at if I call up someone's stats, well, what have they done wins and loss? And then I work my way from there. Okay, if they're a 500 quarterback, why are they? And with Cousins, I think we've found many answers to why he's been a 500 quarterback. But when I well, went, number one, fumbles. I oh, mean, turnover's a huge deal. Absolutely. Turnover's a huge deal. Absolutely. Not a, not a gazillion picks, but he, he fumbles so much. It, it, it's almost as if he... You know, throws 16 interceptions every year and gets sacked a ton. He's been sacked now almost 90 times over the last two years and four games. And that it's the, the pocket thing is an issue holding on to the ball. But when you go through his total statistics and you look at what his PFF grades have been, what his QBR has been, you try to dig a little deeper his rating with play action, all those things. It's all the numbers are so much better over the last four years than they have been so far this year that it just sort of says there's almost no way that he can continue to be this bad, especially when you have a game against Washington at some point. You've got the Giants here. You've got a game against Denver. They might be awful. But when I look at the rest of the schedule, I feel like it would be really hard to get back to that level where he was considered to be a really good quarterback. Yeah, I I, I mean... That's what's so strange is, you know, this whole football team and even this offense, they've, you know, they, they have changed coordinators and, and, uh, but he is that one difference that just a couple of years ago, even last year was a more, explo- a much more explosive offense and two years ago was at least good enough to get to the NFC championship game. So, uh, even for Kirk, this is, you know, some of the worst football he's played. But again, it's, you know, two games that you almost can't even count. And then two games, the ones that really matter, he played poorly and one really bad and the other night not very good either so uh there's there are games left we'll we'll see what happens this week but this is a definitely a bad stretch for him and and hopefully that changes you know in the next few weeks it's got to change soon or uh you know the stefan Diggs type of stuff might start spreading to the other team and and that's what mike zimmer has to prevent yes and that's uh, assuming that the stefan Diggs thing has not already gone far enough down the road we don't really know yet i'm waiting for the official injury report to come out before i say for sure this is really weird um because if he has a groin issue or something like that, it would still be a little weird, but maybe less so that he wouldn't be at practice. The fact that he hasn't been talking, though, um, definitely is is a red flag. Well, he has been talking. There. He's been emojiing. Yes, he so has been emojiing. Yes. Yeah. 
Uh, and not the first time that we've had to try to read Stefan Diggs's emojis to figure out what's going on with him. Um, before we get to New York Giants journeyman quarterback. By, by the way, the week, did, did Mike Zimmer, did I hear that? correctly that he said he wishes he didn't have a podcast he said it with like a laughing tone he said maybe he should get off the podcast and then with a big smile and laugh so i i didn't take that to be maybe you should get off that podcast or something like tone definitely matters here he was smiling and joking i mean quarterbacks have shows right like aaron Rodgers had a quarterback show brady has a quarterback show has one yeah like not not unusual at all for them roethlisberger people have hated him for years because of his show (laughs) that's right that's where the antonio brown stuff started like there's there's i I think pittsburgh has a little bit of a similar thing going on where it seems like a lot of players don't like ben roethlisberger i think you know of course you know antonio brown has his issues and Le'Veon bell his different grievances but it just seems over the years he hasn't been the most likable guy amongst the other players in that organization and one reason is because his radio show on, I'm guessing, Monday nights seems like guys get thrown under the bus a yes. little bit every once yes. in a while. He doesn't take enough responsibility, and, you know, Big Ben's the Hall of Famer that, you know, he's the man in Pittsburgh, and um, and players don't seem to appreciate that. So uh, the difference is that he is a Hall of Famer, probably going to be a Hall of Fame you know, quarterback or whatever, and, and he has all of that resume that players go, they can sort of, you know, put up their hands and go, well, can't really say much because the team's going to keep him and they're going to they're, they're going to get rid of me if I'm the one who complains. Uh, and maybe there's a little difference there in Minnesota because Kirk doesn't have that big resume. Right. Uh, okay. Journeyman quarterback of the week for the New York Giants. I will give you my pick. Jeff Hostetler. Um, Super Bowl winner because of a kick that went wide right. You're welcome, Jeff, for that. Uh, a guy who went 51-32 and 32 for his career, played for the Giants, the Raiders, Oakland, and uh, or well, sorry, when they changed to Oakland from Los Angeles, and then uh, also played for Washington, and uh, some some good uh, nuggets in here from his Wikipedia sage, including that he is the descendant of an um, Amish immigrant, Jacob okay. Jacob Hofstetter. I'm not making that up. That is on his Wikipedia, and I knew I needed to go with him as soon as I saw that. Look at your accent. He was he was also. Uh, interviewed as part of the one moment I wonder if, in time. I wonder if Hostetler had a, a, if he used a zipper on his football pants, <laughs> or it's more a string a button situation. If he, if he, I don't know if like that's a, politically incorrect to say. A horse and cart funny. to the stadium every day. <laughs> <laughs> he was interviewed as part of the uh, as a um, a Life of Whitney Houston movie because of the singing of the national anthem in that game, and he is the uncle of a former Buffalo Bills tight end, which is sort of ironic that. He's the uncle of a tight end that played for the Bills, who he beat in the Super Bowl. And how Jeff Hostetler held on to a ball in the end zone where Bruce Smith sacked him for a safety, I will never, ever know. I mean, Bruce Smith comes down on your arm and you hold on to the ball. Impressive, Jeff Hostetler, my yeah, journeyman well, quarterback of the week. That's pretty good. You know, you got a guy who won a Super Bowl as a journeyman and was the backup uh, in that season, I believe, yep. going into the season. And, and Phil Sims got hurt. and. Uh, and when the Super Bowl. So, yeah, you know, just like every franchise, there's always a long list. Uh, there's a few people I sort of know that are, you know, of course, a little bit more recent. Uh, you know, Jesse Palmer and I have known him, Jesse, since the Senior Bowl in 2001. And we were on actually a trip together uh, to the New York Giants uh, on that, you know, what they call it, the Top 30 visit. Yep. yep. Uh, and Sean Payton was the offensive coordinator. Hmm. Uh, and uh, so I, you know, got to check out old Giants Stadium, went out to dinner with Sean Payton and did that whole thing. Uh, you know, but the one I want to talk about 
is Kent Graham. Oh, I love Kent Graham. Kent Graham. <laughs> Kent Graham was, he was definitely around. Uh, we're, I'll figure out how many teams he played for. It's, it seems like it's a lot. Uh, it, uh, it only lists him with four different jerseys, but he may have been on teams that he didn't actually get in games with. Yeah, I think, uh, yeah. So I played with him in Washington um, in 2001. We had Jeff George oh, as a lots starter. lots of teams. We had, yeah, a lot. I think he played for like eight teams or something. Uh, Giants, Lions, Cardinals, Giants again, second stint, uh, Steelers, <laughs> Washington football squad, Texans, and Jaguars. So, Lots like of Kent Graham. So I was with him at the Washington football squad. That's where <laughs> I play with him. So we originally had Jeff George start the season, and Tony Banks was the number two, and I was the fourth-round draft pick as number three. And after two games, actually the week after 9-11, uh, we played at Green Bay on a Monday night, and, and we got destroyed. And uh, Jeff George was fired the next day. Uh, so it was now just Tony Banks and I, and here, here in comes Kent Graham. Jeff George is the best. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So here in comes Kent Graham. Uh, to be, you know, probably uh, presumably the sort of veteran backup because I had absolutely no NFL experience. I was completely ill-prepared to be in the National Football League, I think, at that point. And when I first met him, it was we had meetings, and he was in the lunchroom when we, because he had just sort of signed, got their late physicals, all these things. I think uh, Marty Schottenheimer and Bill Cower were very close, and Bill Cower recommended him to be, he'd be like this good veteran on the team. So uh, he comes, so he's he's in the lunchroom at, at the Washington facility, and I, I walk in. He walks up and introduces himself. I thought we had signed a guard. <laughs> He was 280 pounds <laughs> for sure. And that very week, where we go to uh, the New York Giants, where he had just played very recently, just a couple years earlier, mm-hmm. he was playing for the Giants. And um, and there's a tackle on our sidelines, like a John Carter or somebody gets tackled on our sidelines. And Strahan is on our sidelines. And he gets up and he looks at Kent Graham and he goes, Shoot, I thought you'd be wearing number 61. That's what he said. <laughs> What he said. <laughs> and it was just, you know, oh. Ken had this huge smile. He was a big boy, uh, great guy. And and for me, as like this young rookie, I mean, you know, you have those guys that sort of take you under their wing and, uh, you know, make you feel like you're, you know, a part of the team. And, yeah. and you know, he's, he was always playing various, like, sort of joke games with me. And I don't know, he just, uh, he was a great veteran to have in that quarterback room for me. And Tony Banks was too. Uh, but Kent was, you know, it, it sort of got, it sort of gave me a preview. If you have a long career, how you sort of end up going out a lot of times, you know, signed as a last second afterthought because of some injury or something. And he's really just in DC for about four months and that's going to be the end of the road for him. So, uh, he was, you know, very positive and, I'm just a great guy, and I, so I wanted to go with Kent Graham as my journeyman backup of the week. Let me tell you real quick before we wrap up my slight Kent Graham story. In uh, two, uh, no, 1997, he played against the Dallas Cowboys on a Thursday night game or something like that when it was on TNT, or maybe it was Sunday night, Sunday night game. Cowboys, Arizona Cardinals, and the Cardinals get down in the game. They're horrible. They've just lost the game to start the season, and the Cowboys still have everybody. Aikman, Emmitt Smith, Michael Irvin, the great offensive line. They've still got everybody from the great years. And Arizona 
is led back into the game by Kent Graham, and they go on to win in overtime on a Kevin Butler. Remember him, the kicker? Kevin Butler field goal. And I was watching this game on YouTube not too long ago to make sure I sort of remembered it correctly because they win in overtime, and after the game, the fans come onto the field, and they're interviewing everyone, and they're like, this is a sea-change moment for the Cardinals organization. They've beaten the Cowboys on national TV. This is incredible. I can't believe that this has happened. And they lost eight of the next nine games. <laughs> and Graham went one and five. That was his only win. National TV beating Troy Aikman. So he had his one beautiful his one shining, shining moment. moment. Exactly. I, I tell you what, he he had. Uh, I would say that season he had a shining moment for us as we were playing in Denver. I feel like it was a, a Sunday night game or a Monday. I think it was a Monday night game, definitely a night game, and it was raining and just terrible weather. Uh, and he got in there, and he could barely get the snap from our center, Corey Raymer, from who was a Wisconsin guy. Uh, he just kept like sort of fumbling the snap. And he'd be dropping back, just trying to get a hold of it, and and he he didn't throw a, a much of a spinner anyway. Like his ball didn't spin very much, and sort of threw a knuckleball sometimes. And you know, trying to a guy who throws like that and in terrible conditions, it wasn't good. And we just somehow sort of slop slopped it up, and we found a way to win the football game. Uh, in I, I feel like it was at Denver, but I got it um, right here, seventeen to ten. Yeah, at, it was Denver. just sort of an, yep. an ugly game, and and we got a pass interference call Threw for one hundred and twenty-seven yards. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but we won. He found like it was a total slop fest. Like you just, it's not really football anymore like yeah. it's just like let's find a way to get it done and kent got it done that game so for me that was his one shiny and, moment and what's what's great too and and then i know we're late but what's great is that oh he threw for two touchdowns in that game is that somebody like kent graham is so incredibly good at football like i used to think about this for sean hill where sean hill would be like smoking cigarettes and just out there like beer gut and everything else and then he threw that one pass to Diggs in tennessee that was just a dime 45 yards down the field and you're like yeah, that guy is a lot better than a lot of other people on this yeah. earth at throwing that football. So uh, great stuff, Sage. We will get together again. You're going to be on with uh, Mackie and Judd and Rami at 420 on Friday. And then you and I will be back doing this again next week, man. Thanks for your time. We'll see how the weekend goes. We'll see uh, if there's any more drama next week. Hopefully not. There usually is, though, with this team. There usually is. All right. Well, uh, thanks, Sage. We'll uh, we'll catch you next week. We'll be right back. Judd Zolged comes in. Then at 320, Eric Eager from Pro Football Focus. You're listening to Purple Daily on Score North. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest-growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily. No, I don't think that. Um, I, I don't see that. I just... And he needs to go play, you know, and just play the game. That's usually what I tell him. Just go play the game. Don't worry about consequences. Do do what you do. All right, we are back here. Purple Daily, Matthew Collar, Judd Zolgad. If there was anyone better in this world to be in studio, I don't know who it is for a time in which it feels like it's coming apart. Uh, Judd, tell me this. Yeah. Stefan Diggs not a practice today, and someone tweeted me and said, well, he might have gotten dinged up a little bit in the first quarter there and then played the rest of the game. 
But usually when players are dinged up, they are out there on the practice field. Correct. You see them. They do not have pads on or anything. They might not have their helmet on, but they'll go through the warm-ups or, or they'll be working out on the side. When guys aren't practicing, they're usually somewhere that you can see them. You just see that they're not actually practicing. And this has gone for previous years with Stefan Diggs. I would also say this. He didn't talk at the podium again today. And in past years, he's gone to the podium when he's hurt and said he was going to play the next week, whether he was playing or not. Mm-hmm. He's always said, oh, I'm fine and whatever else. But he's done his obligation at the podium, and he did not do that today. So two weeks of no podium, which is unusual for Diggs, and no post game, which is unusual for Diggs. And then some rumbling and some tweets and some emojis and almost no mention of him. From Kirk Cousins. I mean, this is where it gets even more bizarre is he's out there apologizing to Adam Thielen. Stephon Diggs nowhere to be found and no one mentions him. It's like, okay, wait a minute. Uh, What's going on here? Why has no one said I didn't get the ball to Diggs or Thielen? Like usually we've sort of combined them together and now it was just, well, you know, I said to Thielen that I should have thrown him the ball. And uh, I feel like we've got a bunch of things working at once, Judd. So let, tr- help me organize them. We have you do, by the way, the potential <laughs> yep. for Stefan Diggs to be unhappy here. We also have the potential for him just to be aloof and acting weird because he's mad about how the team is is going. Yep. We have the potential here for um, Kirk Cousins to fall off the side of a cliff as a quarterback, which we have seen. I've been working on this, going through like recent history and looking at quarterbacks who change teams in their prime. And there are some like Alex Smith who have done well, but there are others like Jim Everett and Elvis Gerback and uh, Jim, uh no, I said Jim Everett. Um, who else am I thinking of here? Uh, Boomer Esiason. There, there are a number of them that have not worked out in their next location and have fallen off significantly with all of their numbers uh, for whatever reason. All these things are kind of happening at once, and uh, my head is sort of swimming here, and I keep thinking about what if they don't win on Sunday? Like, what right. happens? And it seems to be... Now, they should win, but it seems to be going down the road of seeming more and more likely that they won't. Because I'll go back to what I've always said, and a lot of people disagree, but I will stand by it. Distractions like this mean something. Like, teams will be like, ah, distractions don't bother. They do bother you. They do. So, the chances of winning on Sunday, when you consider it's a Giants defense that's certainly not great and not great about stopping the run, should mean that Delvin Cook gets back on track, runs for 125 yards and two touchdowns, and they're fine. But there's enough going on here, and I would call it bordering, if not chaos, at TCO, that it's a problem. And the problem, too, is that, you know, what the Vikings shouldn't waste their time doing is Thielen Cousins damage control on a podcast when Diggs is so clearly mad. Mm -hmm. So like you're trying to tell me nothing's wrong, nothing's wrong, nothing's wrong. Just don't look at the other receiver who's really PO'd. Like you're wasting our time. There's something wrong here. And, And my guess is that when the Vikings injury report, Matthew comes out today, it will say, you know, knee or groin or hamstring or something. And that will be fraudulent for the most part, because this is definitely... I asked you this a couple days back, I, I believe. When are we going to be sitting in these chairs doing this show 
and we watch ESPN almost constantly, and the crawl is going to say ESPN's Adam Schefter is reporting that Vikings receiver Stefan Diggs has demanded a trade. So we were I just stand by that. we were just watching it on ESPN, and they're debating Pablo Torre and Bomani Jones. They're debating whether Kirk Cousins should have apologized. And in my mind, you are missing. 80 to 90 to 95 percent of the story with this if you're just debating whether he should apologize or not i mean ryan clark we played the audio comes out and says he's got to show the dog in him he can't admit that he did something wrong or whatever whatever else it might be and i i don't agree at all i mean i I think that kirk cousins just isn't that type of guy he's not aaron Rodgers or baker mayfield he's not going to come out in front of the media and say Bleep you guys, you don't know anything, whatever. I got a bad attitude. He's just not that guy. Like, he's always presented himself a certain way at the podium, and he's always given detailed answers, and he's always tried to sort of spin things positively and explain what happened. Sometimes he ends up going a little too far and saying, well, if we had only gotten a block on that play or whatever. But that's always been his approach, and I and I think that that's who he is more than anything, and it didn't really surprise me that he would sort of try to read the room but not get it quite right and come out and say, well, you see, it's my fault now, and I made that bad throw, and I'm sorry, Thielen, because he's trying to right the wrongs of last year when he threw guys under the bus. But this doesn't really mean a whole lot. I mean, uh, apologize, don't apologize. I'm sure quarterbacks all the time go to the receivers and go, God, I missed you there. I mean, that happens all the time. But the rest of the story is... I watched the game back. Oh, my God. I mean, people were wide open, running around on that field. They could have won that game going away, and they didn't because of their quarterback. And that's the second time this year, and it's the how manyth time since he's gotten here. It's all the games that have mattered. And you add that with a coach who's saying, run the ball so this guy doesn't throw it. I mean, I, I, I think that all of those things mean much more to the tension then, well, should he have apologized or not? I think that they're kind of like missing the story. That's here. the national story. The the PFF story last night about the amount of time that a veteran quarterback, knowing he has a really not great pass protection offensive line, is holding the football. Yeah, those numbers were frightening. Those are yeah. dead last, th- th- holding the ball longer than anyone else in the NFL. Those numbers reek of a man trying to get himself killed by guys like Khalil Mack. It makes no sense. Um, where I agreed with Clark, and I went back and looked this up. Ryan Clark's last year, I think, was 2014, which was spent on a team with Kirk Cousins in Washington. And where I agree with what Sage said is, to strip out the who Kirk Cousins should be, it does feel phony. He mm-hmm. it feels he he overcorrected, and I don't get why he went from blaming people last year to a few people told him what he should say this year. But he's overcorrected so much now. He He's the guy who's going slightly right. And you're like, Sage, straighten it out just a little bit. Just take a little bit of a left. And he just flipped the car. And he overcorrected so much. But I come back to this. Don't drag poor Adam Thielen into a podcast studio to clear something up. Yeah. When the other receiver, who, by the way, is just as good, if not better talent-wise... It's clearly miffed and isn't practicing today. Right. Like this is a waste right. of this is a waste of your time. Right. Yeah. And and, and if I'm feeling, by the way, I say no, no, no. Unless Diggs is coming in with me, Kirk, I'm not doing this. And that's where see, I don't think that Cousins has done a bad job at the podiums and even with this podcast. I don't think it was a, a big deal. And I would prefer him to say 
that yeah, it's on me, guys, and I should have made this throw, I should have made that throw after a bad game, than coming out and saying who else's fault it was. Mm-hmm. The problem is when you take a change like that and then you ask people to buy it, like, oh, is this really who you are behind the scenes that's taking this type of accountability? Especially when yes. I'll never forget Jay Gruden saying, boy, I love Alex Smith's accountability. Like, And like you said, oh, yeah? in what? An OTA? Right, yeah, in an OTA. Which is just like, an over the oh, yeah. He- yeah. Bang! <laughs> is that what it is? That's is that hammer. what you love about him? Um, and so after last year, the, 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 the switch, it's hard for people to say, oh, that must be who you really are. I'm sure it's hard for the teammates to say the same thing. And if he doesn't back that up with how he acts behind the scenes, that's what really matters. I think that we don't really know what Kirk Cousins is like based on podiums because he is trying to say the right things. He's trying to read the script that he thinks quarterbacks should read at the podium at this point, which is fine, and I don't have any problem with anything he said, and he's still insightful when he talks about football and things like that. It's just... How does that now translate to what's going on with your teammates? Like, mm-hmm. Do they believe in you? And I think that last year there was a fall guy in John Filippo that everyone could point and be like, you know what, Kirk was insufferable at times and did throw us under the bus, but our offense was the wrong approach. And I think this offense, especially after seeing the game tape, is the right approach still. There were people open. There was time to throw. It was all right there. This was a quarterback seeing ghosts, and he admitted that pretty much today, that, well, you know, when you're getting pass rushed, you sort of speed up your reads like, yeah, that's one way to put it. I mean, you end up checking down to the fullback when Stephon Diggs is running with 20 yards, uh, nobody around him. I mean, I think that the plays are actually working that uh, Kevin Stefanski is calling largely, aside from a few that I, I, I had a little bit of an issue with in Green Bay where they just didn't have an option for him to check it off to. But, you know, aside from that, it's working, and it's the quarterback in big situations just not showing up. And really, all of this could be solved by doing that. But if Stefan Diggs has already gotten too far down the road with this issue, then I don't know what the solution is because your number 2 wide receiver in that case would be B.C. Johnson. And it's 20 games. Yeah. I don't blame Diggs. Well, right, yeah. I mean, it's that's, 20, that's how they're looking games, at it, too. And, and he can say... and. As far as the apologies go publicly or the Green Bay game, which was if I play it like that, I won't be the quarterback here much longer, poor me, or the Cardinals game, the third preseason game, basically you would have thought they lost game eight. I know. Um, the public thing to me, though, is is no somebody needs to now sit Kirk down and say, Kirk, this is going to get tiresome really quickly. Like either do your job, and if you can't do your job, just basically shut up. Because nobody wants to hear this. Nobody wants to hear you apologize to Thielen. Because, to your point, Matthew, you went back and watched the game and are saying, oh, hold on a second. There's opportunities all over the place. Yeah. And, and he, he did can't. admit so, that today. Right, but I don't want to hear that you're sorry about it. Like, I should have thought, yeah, you should have. But And, and that's where that's where I would um, go against the people that, that are saying, well, it's a sunk cost. It does. That's where the salary does come into play. Because when you're paid that much, you're not paid to apologize to me. You're paid to go out right. there on Sunday and make me go, Oh, wow. And I think that's Ryan Clark's point, is what he's trying to say. Actually, can we play that again? Jonathan, do you have that? Can we play Ryan Clark again? Because I thought it was just interesting how offended he seemed by this. Mm -hmm. But I always say this. It was like Kirk Cousins' dad took him when he was six years old and said, this is the way a quarterback talks. This is the way a quarterback behaves. And to me, this is all show. Because if you're really sorry... To, to Adam Thielen, if you really feel like it's my bad, you know all you have to say to Adam Thielen because he's a grown man that plays in the NFL. Hey, man, that's my bus. I'm going to get better. Yeah, and that's the issue is 
I mean, can he get better? And it's hard for people to believe that he can. But and off, so it doesn't really matter off what the, he says. Off the field, though, and, and I've said this for a while now, in, in calling him a corporate quarterback, it's like he's playing a role of a quarterback, but he doesn't have the feel for how... And I'm not talking on the field. I'm talking mm-hmm. handling people. It's like he's telling you what he's been instructed to say because he thinks that's what's going to make him a quarterback. Yeah. I, I mean, can see that. These guys who are good at it have intangibles. Well, I think what someone like Ryan Clark would be looking for here is a sort of indignance, a sort of um, defiance to someone who is highly competitive. And usually you get that from the quarterback position. Usually, I mean, Baker Mayfield takes it a little to the extreme. Aaron Rodgers does it sometimes too. But even Rodgers, when he did the R-E-L-A-X thing, I mean, it had that same sort of feeling like, like, you guys don't know what you're talking about, and we're going to come show you what's up, and we're going to win this week and everything else. Like A lot of times you do get that from quarterbacks where they either are so buttoned up that you've got nothing but cliches at the podium, which is actually Case Keenum, oddly enough. Keenum was not a very open guy, didn't have much interest at all in telling the Case Keenum story for every game. He... If you asked Case Keenum, here would be the difference, and I would say this for Teddy to to a large extent too. If you were like, hey, can you explain to me this one play where you had this one read and there was this certain coverage? I think both of them would be like, well, you know, I'm just trying to do the right thing there. And they would look at you like, I know the answer to your question, but I'm not giving it to you. Correct. Because nobody in here wants me to give that to you. Right. So, screw you. Yep. And with Cousins, he'd be like, oh, well, what happened was the safety went here and they went there and I was thinking this. And uh, I appreciate that as a journalist because I learned things from Kirk Cousins at the podium. But I think there's this this little bit of, oh, sure, I'll uh, I'll kind of tell you what's going on here or try to give you a good answer to that because I, I want to be thought of as friendly or I want to be friendly to you or I want to have a certain perception that I know what I'm talking about. And some of these other guys are more like, no, I'll believe you. And I think that's what Ryan is looking for is, well, why isn't this quarterback who's getting criticized at two and two? Sky shouldn't be falling. I know. That's what I said today. Why it, feels, is it, it feels like one and three right, or one and four. Why isn't, I think Ryan Clark's question there would be, why isn't he coming out and saying, you all need to shut the bleep up. We're going to be a great team. Okay. And there was some of that from even Delvin Cook today. The look on Delvin Cook's face, um, when someone asked him, uh, is Cousins confident or something like that? And he gave a look, he's a polite guy too, but he gave a look that was just like, come on, what do you think I'm going to tell you? And he gave a good answer about it. He comes to work every day and that sort of thing. But it, <laughs> but it was like, I love that. but it was that same sort of, yep. get out of my face with that and, and, and that sort of thing. Because that's how so athletes that's ordinarily are. For. We're conditioned to hear that though. That's okay. That's okay. You know what? I always respected the fact that Keenum, for any on-field flaws he had, never sparred with Zimmer once. Oh, He never went back and forth. No, you're going to love this. Uh, this comes from our friend Chris Thompson, the Pioneer Press. Okay. Cousins and Vikings quarterback stayed after practice today and worked on long throws to receivers, similar to the distance to the one that Cousins missed to Thielen. Doesn't this remind you of like not having Blair Walsh kick a 27-yard field goal? Let's get in this guy's head even more. Is this not something a high school team would do this, after an unsuccessful Friday this night? This is kind of weird, yeah. Um, okay, Judd. And nothing yet on Diggs? From... Uh, no, nothing yet on Diggs. Right. So there you have it. You're going to New York. I'm going to New York. We'll see you there. Cause, right. uh, I'm very excited. Eric Eager is coming up next. So Nice. You could be uh, boots on the ground for whatever is going to happen there. So we'll talk with uh, Pro Football Focus's Eric Eager 
When we return, here you listen to Purple Daily on Score North. If you have 10 attempts in a game, you know, it is what it is. You're not going to go there and say, hey, man, you know, you should have had 18 catches today. You only had 10 attempts. So we got to be realistic and look at this with honesty. Come on, you know, it's it's a small number of attempts at times. And then when it is a moment where you say, hey, man, I had you there, you go up to him and you say, I had you there, my fault. You know, I missed that one. That hurt us. And you move on. And, you know, that's that's just quarterbacking 101. That's the way I've, I've handled it since I was, you know, in high school playing with guys, just having a constant dialogue. Kirk Cousins there seeming like he has had enough questions about not throwing it to his star receivers. If only there was a solution to that problem. What could it be? How can you get everyone off your back about not throwing it to two of the best players in the NFL? Let's see. You guys uh, got anything, Jonathan? Like, what, I what, can't think of anything. What could sorry. you do? Gosh, Run it I more? Just made, well, you know what? We have analytics to help us with this. Uh, Pro Football Focus, Forecast Podcast, also some type of data scientist for PFF, my friend Eric Eager. What's going on, Eric? Matthew, how's it going? Can you imagine if this was not Stephon Diggs and uh, Adam Thielen, but rather Chris Carter and Randy Moss who weren't being thrown the ball? Uh, I, I don't know if Kirk would be, like, alive or, <laughs> you know, at the – facility if if at least like jake reed was pretty like mellow but like chris carter was like i can remember him specifically like cussing out some backup special teams linebacker on the sideline <laughs> when things weren't going well um i can't imagine how he'd handle kirk uh yeah i don't think either one of these uh those two would have done um as well, or has had quite the patience from so far what we've seen this year from Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs. Still waiting on the injury report to see what it is they're saying that uh, Ad, uh, Stephon Diggs was out with, though, again, he has not talked to the media in quite some time now. He's basically reached Durant level. Um, can you explain how not a good of an idea, um, mind my English there, it is to avoid Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen? Like, how detrimental to good offensive football is it who have only targeted them, what, 19 times for Diggs, a few more times for Thielen. Like, how bad is that? Well, I, I know that you, you've said this a number of times on your show. You know, the passer rating when thrown to those guys is well over 100 uh, and, and for some time. Um, and, and I think, you know, obviously that's the issue. Um, the, the hard part is, is like, they, they've tried to establish this identity offensively, uh, and we talked about this last week. Um, it, it's simply not an identity that you can win with in the NFL, which is to run the football and, and at last resort passing. You need to be able to pass the football, and then when the other team uh, is afraid of your passing game, break their back with the running back. And, you know, as we talked about last week, they, they have a great run game, but that did them absolutely no good on Sunday. Right, and and that will happen against good teams, right? I mean, you know, especially yeah. with an offensive line that cannot block. I I don't think they can run or pass block. I think Steph, uh, um, sorry, uh, Delvin Cook made a few really great plays to create runs, and they had some good schemes. But I was not overly impressed with the actual man to man to man blocking um, through the first couple of weeks. They also played two horrible teams two of the first three weeks. That probably yeah. helped that out quite a bit. He broke a seventy five yarder in the other game, and otherwise averaged about four yards a carry. I mean. This thing just screams unsustainable to try and have Delvin Cook be your offense. And with so many opportunities out there on Sunday, it just kind of said, you know what, almost anything you do here, scheme, run the ball more with Delvin, look for more play actions. I don't know if there's just one thing that can solve this issue of Kirk Cousins 
not knowing how to handle big games. Yeah, I mean, I, ultimately, people talk about his record against good teams, and and you know, even people talking about the defense and how they don't show up and create turnovers uh, against great teams. And I think the news flashes is look, if you have the the most important variable in football is quarterback. You chosen one where in games against good teams, he's not going to be the best player at the position, and you know. And in, and in good, and in games where you're facing a good team with a better quarterback, you lose the majority of the time. And Kirk, you know, has somehow run even worse than that over the course of his career, but that's like what you'd expect. And, 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 you know, it's tough, you know, because they had such a, you know, good run with their defense in 2017, but they also faced a pretty easy schedule. I mean, they got mesmerized into thinking like defense could win them a championship when ultimately it is one thing. And that's, you know, your quarterback, when he is good, keeps you in games. Uh, you saw, you know, with, with the Lions the other day against the Chiefs, like Matthew Stafford played like a like a, an elite starting quarterback in the NFL, and they didn't win, but they had a, you know, a pretty good representation there. You saw on Thursday night Aaron Rodgers and Carson Wentz did the same things for their team, and, and it just, you know, Teddy Bridgewater did it against uh, the Cowboys. He kept them in that game, even though he didn't play particularly well. Like for Kirk, it seems like against a great team, he needs to play perfectly, hope the scheme is terrific, and then hope the other team's quarterback gets hurt. I mean, that happened on Sunday. But, you know, like all those things need to happen, and we're still not even guaranteed that he's going to come out victorious. It did take until Wednesday until I got one tweet from someone saying, I don't think Peyton Manning could have won with that offensive line. Like, oh, no, Peyton Manning would have won by 30 with uh, the number of open receivers that were there uh, on Sunday. But, you know, it's always something is the way that I kind of look at Kirk Cousins' career. Like, it's, oh, well, this receiver was disgruntled or there was a drop or there was, you know, a tipped ball or there was something. Like, Adam Thielen fumbles last year against New Orleans. Like, are you allowed to overcome that? I believe you are, but the rest of the game was almost treated as if you weren't. And uh, here's something that I would say is worth being concerned about, Eric, is we sort of, you know, we know from baseball that you can manipulate the sample size to say what you want sometimes. But if we are taking the last 36 games from Kirk Cousins, so going back to 2017, 18, and now, um, to try and tell us what we have here, and you look at the net yards per attempt is a good number to use in terms of just how efficient has he been as a quarterback. He's basically got a backup quarterback number at this moment for net yards per attempt, which includes the sacks. Yards per attempt, 7.3, not a great number. 17, 18, and 1 as a starting quarterback. 96 rating, which is only slightly above average in the NFL today. Like, I, I mean... Was 2016 there in Washington, their version of 2017 defense for the Vikings? I mean, was it sort of an anomaly because of the circumstance? Were were we kind of fooled or shaded for Cousins' ability by one really great season with Sean McVay? Yeah, and absolutely. And and I think even even in that season, we saw what Kirk isn't capable of when, you know, push comes to shove. I mean, they had a Week 17 game against the Giants at home. The Giants had nothing to play for, uh, even playoff seeding to play for. And, and they lost by multiple scores to Eli Manning. I mean, like, the, the fact is, it's like, it is always something. And unfortunately, like, you even talk about that passer rating. Well, that passer rating doesn't, you know, famously doesn't factor in sacks. And, you know, the offensive line didn't play great on Sunday. Obviously, they got whooped. They also, you know, interestingly enough, like they were facing backups at both the linebacker and one of the three techniques for, right. the, uh, for the Bears. But Kirk, like, ran his way into a few sacks as well. And, mm-hmm. you know, there was that one where he was 
staring down C.J. Ham. Throwing to running backs isn't efficient. Throwing to fullbacks can't be efficient either. And so it is always just something. And, and unfortunately, you know, we've seen, you know, Matt Ryan in 2016 with Kyle Shanahan's never been the same after he's gone. He's a far better player than Kirk. Uh, you know, Kyle, Kyle Shanahan, uh, Sean McVay leaves after Kyle Shanahan leaves Washington and Kirk isn't the same player. He comes here. Uh, and I think Stefanski, frankly, has done a pretty decent job working with what he's had to work with. Uh, but, you know, they still can't get over the fact that they're, when push comes to shove, their quarterback simply can't make plays. Well, and I, when you look at the tape, it's very hard to be upset with Stefanski. Like he drew up plays that got people wide open, and the throws never got there. Now, now here's, but here's the the question though for me because I, I wrote about this the case for and against Kirk Cousins bouncing back, and, and that's what I'm trying to figure out, Eric. Because when I look at his PFF grades, for example, he is 22nd out of 27 quarterbacks that have played enough to qualify. He's never been that bad before. 13th last year, the worst he had ever. Been was 19th, and that was in 2017. His QBR, he's second worst in the NFL. He's never been anywhere close to that. Um, a lot of the numbers would suggest if this was a baseball hitter hitting 180 through, let's say, May, you would say, well, eventually the guy's going to get back to sort of his batting average, right? But I'm not sure about that because history would tell us that some quarterbacks, when they slip, they don't ever really recover to what they once were. Yeah, I mean, we saw, I mean, we talked about this, you know, before with like Jim Everett and, you know, Boomer. So, like, there are quarterbacks who are legitimately one year taking their team to the conference title game and the next year uh, are unplayable, right? So, uh, I, I agree with you that I think statistically you would, you would imagine Kirk going back uh, and becoming at least the quarterback he's been before. But then you look at their schedule, right? I think the next month is doable for the Vikings in terms of you are at Giants. I think that's winnable. You're home against the Eagles, who the Eagles are far better than the Vikings, um, but they have some injuries. They're not the most consistent team in the world. Then you go to Detroit, which I will argue is a better team than the Vikings on a neutral field, but you go to Detroit. That's going to be a tough game to win. You come home and play Washington. Okay, let's say that you can get out of that stretch three and one. It, it doesn't get any easier from here, though, right? I mean, like that month of like November, we're at Kansas City, at Dallas, home to the Broncos. The Broncos are going to be a tough game for Minnesota. And then at Seattle... Like that has, you know, one and three or oh and four written all over it. So even though I think the baseball argument makes sense that the guy is going to obviously, you know, revert back to where he's at, football is such a low sample size game and, mm-hmm. and schedule effects are so big that for the Vikings, I mean, the, their best hope is to hope that their defense becomes the best defense in the NFL and creates, and I know it's not Zimmer's thing, but creates enough turnovers, creates enough short fields, creates enough touchdowns possibly on their end that a lot of these games become easy for Cousins because, you know, this was really the time for them to start 3-1, and one, you know, 4-0 possibly. And instead, they're 2-2, two and two, and the two losses are in the division. And so this could snowball out of control for them. And I think unless Cousins plays appreciably better than where he's at right now, it probably will. So I'm, I was thinking about this, Eric, as I'm watching on the Dan Levitard show right now as they're debating whether it was soft for Kirk Cousins to apologize to Adam Thielen, which I, I don't think uh, in any way, shape, or form that it's soft to say, yeah, I said sorry for overthrowing you. But that's kind of like goes against, uh, you know, I mean, his personality. What was he going to say? Sorry you were offended. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's a little bit. But what uh, what what would he say? Like bleep you, Adam Thielen? I don't know. It's just not who he is. But that kind of relates to something on the field that I was thinking about. I was listening to the other PFF podcast. Sorry, Eric, uh, with Sam Monson and Steve, and Sam was talking about leaning into. Um, kind of the variance or whatever. When you have somebody who turns the ball over sometimes and things like that, um, you, you'd almost be better off being more risky than not because this guy's going to make bad plays either way. Like Kirk Cousins will fumble either way. So being more risky with Kirk Cousins is probably better than being less risky. And, and, and it just... When he's out there apologizing to receivers, it's hard to believe that he's going to be more risky and start taking shots, right? But I think that might be the right answer. Well, I mean, we, we've talked about this quarterback at length. I mean, Jameis Winston is exactly what you're talking about. He can go into Los Angeles and put up 55 points against the Rams uh, and lose a home game to San Francisco where he throws two pick sixes, right? And I think if you're a Vikings fan, if you're, if you're a receiver on the Vikings, like if, if the Vikings are going to go one and one, they beat the weak team, they lose to the four team, or sorry, they, they beat the poor team, uh, yeah, and, and lose to the weak team, but you're sort of like running this neutered offense where no one's happy, I think you'd much rather opt for the result that they're getting in Tampa Bay, which is saying, okay, our quarterback's probably league average. But if, if this is a deck of cards, it's a bunch of face cards and a bunch of twos and threes. Kirk, at his best, is a bunch of sevens, eights, and nines. And, and, and that's probably not as fun for the receivers. And, and, you know, it is all about, I mean, there's, there's relationship dynamics at play. Kirk has not earned the right to tell his receivers to go fly a kite. Like he sort of has to apologize to them because he knows that like, you know, the relationship dynamic is such that they have a great deal of power having the contract that they do. And he doesn't having the contract that he does and the poor play that he's had over the past year plus. So it's really interesting. I, I agree with Dan here. I think that, it, you know, I, if Kirk has it in them, they should, you know, try to you know utilize those receivers and go downfield and take the good with the bad. Uh, I'm I'm not saying that this is happening, so I don't want anyone to misunderstand me. But if Stefan Diggs behind the scenes is telling the team, please send me to Tom Brady, thank you, um, and, and they're forced to trade him or he won't play or something like that, like what we see now happen quite often in the NFL, uh, it's over, right? I mean, they're not making the playoffs if Stefan Diggs is not in this lineup. Yeah, we had a we have a video on PFF coming up today about that same dynamic. It's sort of like now players are far more emboldened to do these things, and I think it's because a lot of teams, um, that a lot of players understand that a lot of these teams are poorly run, and so they have like sort of more. And I'm not saying the Vikings are, but they have sort of more of the power in that relationship. And, and I think if Diggs does exercise that power, a can you imagine how good he's going to be in New England, but then. B, uh, you know, B uh, I do think it, it spells the end for the Vikings because their biggest problem offensively a season ago is when one of their receivers had a mallet. I mean, they both played all the games, but one of them had an injury and the defense could, you know, really clamp down because they didn't have a really deep threat tight end and they didn't have a third receiving option. A lot of that's still sort of true with Irv Smith kind of getting his, his feet wet. So uh, I think for them, you know, again, it's all about, praying that the defense is the best in the league and and unfortunately you can't predict that and you can't force that to happen so uh you know it it probably benefits the vikings to try to make this thing work with Diggs. but if it doesn't i think you know maybe the league gets a gets a better deal out of it with him going to new england and uh being the next antonio brown now the most important question of the week eric who would win the 98 vikings or the 86 giants defense 
or well, just put those two teams up against each other. But you know, the de- yeah, defense yeah. versus the '98 Vikings offense, who's better? Yeah, man. Mm. I would still say the 98 Vikings, as I did last week, because I think the Phil Sims, you know, led offense is not going to be powerful enough, uh, especially if the game's played now or the game was played in 98. I think the 98 Vikings would win. Um, but, man, I mean, 86, that was the last time a defensive player won MVP, right, with Lawrence Taylor? It was. So that, that truly was an exceptional group with Bill Belichick and then Bill Parcells. So uh, that, that's a cool discussion topic. I wonder what a player would look like if it was Lawrence Taylor in 2019. I mean, it, maybe Khalil Mack is the closest thing to it, or Aaron Donald's the closest thing to it, but I feel like he was so much over the rest of the league at that point, where you had guys that were barely even athletic, and he was just running by them and sacking the quarterback. Yeah. And then he was also allowed to commit a homicide. Like, he was, it wasn't, oh, you put too much weight on the quarterback. It was, let me grab their body and throw it across. Across the field onto AstroTurf. Well, and back then the three-four, you know, it wasn't just you know the outside linebackers weren't essentially just defensive ends, right? I mean, mm-hmm. he was, and Derek Thomas was this way along with him, but like he was both a guy that would rush the passer. I mean, he's kind of like a you know a very rich man's Anthony Barr in this way. He would rush the passer, uh, you know, with reckless abandon, but he also was a great coverage linebacker. He was a stud against the run. He set the edge. He was a very like different role that's not. I mean, the Vikings have been clamoring, and people have been clamoring for Anthony Barr to play this role in Minnesota, and it just hasn't been feasible. And so he's not—he's just different in that, like that role, that outside linebacker role in the three-four-four-three doesn't really exist anymore. And that's what makes it even more, you know, fun to talk about because I, I don't know what a parallel would be in today's game. No, the, uh, whoever it would be would have to be great in coverage, be completely dominant, just run by linemen and completely disrupt and win games by themselves. There's that famous Lions game where Lawrence Taylor wins the game almost entirely by himself. That does not happen very often. The The playing field has been very much leveled since then, which I think is why you see fewer players who have broken the game. Like There are only a few ever who I could think really legit broke the game. And I don't know how many we'll see in the future because of just how much um, more, I I guess, uh, athletic every player is who's in the NFL. Like, nobody could just be Barry Sanders anymore, right? Well, and the game is so much different now, right? Because you can take away a pass rusher by throwing the ball quickly, and a lot of teams are extremely, uh, you know, uh, sophisticated in doing so. So if, you know, you'd almost force Taylor to be in a position to have to cover more than he pass rushes because that would be a better role, you know, in terms of bang for your buck. Uh, and, you know, he was at, at his best rushing the passer. So you would sort of mitigate him a little bit because offenses, you know, back in the 80s were drop back seven steps and throw the ball deep and hope to complete 55% of your passes. Right. Now it's, you know, 65-70 and it's quick stuff. So, you know, even though I think, you know, uh, Taylor, much like Donald does, would get an amazing PFF grade, he might not get the sort of like 20-something sacks that he got back in the in the mid-80s. All right, this was fun as always, Eric. Thank you for coming on, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon, man. Thanks for having me. Um, Eric Eager, Pro Football Focus. We do it sometime in the 3 o'clock hour every week with someone from PFF. So make sure you uh, listen to the PFF Forecast podcast. As I was on the plane to Chicago, I was listening to him and George Shahuri, who's going to join us next week from PFF. So uh, let's take a break. When we return, another instance of the Patriots do everything that I think the Vikings should do, but a minor one. 
And uh, Daniel Jones. We'll talk about Daniel Jones a little bit here. We'll be right back. You're listening to Purple Daily on Score North. Jonathan here with the Score North download with Twins game number one against the Yankees approaching very quickly. Rocco, Bode- Rocco Baldelli addressed the media yesterday and was asked by our own Derek Wetmore on who would be the game one starter. Here was that interaction. It was a bit interesting from Rocco's standpoint. Oh, starting game one? Yes. Are you I have willing- a pretty good feeling about who's going to start game one. Are you willing to share that today? No, we're going to wait until uh, the very last minute to um, talk about what any of our players are going to be doing. Of course they will. So, Twins fans, who do you want to start game one in New York Friday night, which you can hear here on Sport on Score North, right after Mackie and Judd on Friday evening. You can listen to that right here on Score North. Who do you want to start game one for the Twins? Let us know over at Score North on Twitter, at SKOR North on Twitter. That's been your Score North download. Now back to Purple Daily. Daniel Jones. Uh, obviously is a very, very talented kid. I think he's a really good player, and I think he's going to be a great player. He's got an outstanding arm. He's got good feet in the pocket. Uh, He moves well. He scrambles. And right now it looks like he's playing pretty free, that nothing really affects him. You know, he's turned the ball over a couple times, but it hasn't affected him. He, You know, fourth and five to win the ball game against Tampa Bay. He scrambled in for the touchdown and when they were playing a double-double coverage. So, um, you know, I think you have to kind of do both. Ah, yes, the delicious double-double coverage. Always one of my favorites. Um, all right, back here, Purple Daily, for a couple more minutes. Mackie and Judd with Rami coming up at 4 o'clock. We've got all sorts of things going on. Stefan Diggs, not at practice today, have not gotten the injury report out. Maybe they're deciding what they want to say it is, but it's hard to look at this, especially when Diggs was not like out there on the practice field at all. It's hard to look at this from any other way than sort of Skeptically, I guess. Like, it, oh, especially yeah. with the what he him not showing during OTAs, right? That I so mean, this is that was weird. The Instagram yeah. thing was weird. This whole like, thing, this whole talking, season's yeah, been weird. Not talking last week. Not talking after the game. Not talking today. All kind of weird. Mm-hmm. So um, that's where I want to put it. I don't want to say he's definitely asking for a trade because he doesn't seem like the guy that. Um, would be in your face about the fact that he was doing this. But Ian Rappaport says this. The Vikings list wide receiver Stephon Diggs um, as having a non-injury reason for not being at practice. Okay. Mm. That so what's re- that mean? I mean, I don't know. I mean, that that Considering the circumstance, everything else going on, right. non-injury reason... Certainly points to um, a potential scenario that we have been kicking around quite a bit recently. Mm-hmm. We and opened yesterday's show with it. Exactly. And you can see that on YouTube, our entire segment of uh, Courtney Cronin attempting to assign percentages to why <laughs> Stefan Diggs would want to leave. You think those percentages would be changed after him not showing up to practice? I mean... They all add up to the same sort of conclusion is that he's got lots of reasons to potentially yeah. want to go somewhere else. And when so many other players in the league are doing that kind of thing, then uh, it wouldn't be super stunning to me. So um, let me just say this quick. The Patriots do everything that I think the Vikings should do. They worked out Kai Forbath. That's what I was referring to. <laughs> Kai Forbath today because uh, Stephen Goskowski went on IR. So they 
They gave old Kai a workout. He hasn't been kicking lately, but he probably would have made more than the Vikings did last year. And on Daniel Jones, and we'll just see if in these next couple minutes we get anything else on Stephon Diggs. And then yeah, stay, the injury report just came out. Stay tuned for tomorrow, but it's non non injury, right? Is yep, that, did not practice yeah. non injury related. Well, yeah, that's all it says. I mean, <laughs> considering that. It, the type of things that he that's as tweets. big of a message as they've sent about it. Yeah, I mean, like, well, they can't lie. They can't right. say groin. He wasn't even out there. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just screams the guy wants to leave. And my gosh, if Kirk Cousins runs out of town, and Mike Zimmer with the way he wants to play offense right. runs out of town, one of the best players in this franchise's history. The guy who caught the Minneapolis Miracle touchdown, a hundred catch wide receiver, an unstoppable receiver, one on one coverage, a guy who has analytic numbers that point to him being even better than we thought before. And he wants to go because he's tired of his quarterback not throwing him the ball. He's tired of the frustration, the mediocrity, um, a system that is designed instead of around him as a great wide receiver around a running back, which it's 2019. Uh, I'm not saying that I support Stefan Diggs leaving. I'm saying I get it. Like, there's a yeah. lot of reasons why you would do it. And if that is the case, wow. I mean, then this has it gone. Took, what, a year and a half? Yeah, this has gone in a place that I never dreamed it would go. I'll tell you, this is where I thought that it would go when they signed Kirk Cousins. I thought last year they would win 10 games. And they would go to the first round of the playoffs and Kirk Cousins wouldn't show up and he would blow a double digit lead and then people would be mad, but they'd be like, well, we're 10 and six and we did pretty good. And then I thought the same exact thing for this year. <laughs> I mean, like, that's what I picked. I picked, I think, 10 and six last year. I picked 10 and six again this year. And that was my general feeling is, hey, look, you know, this team is probably good enough to get to the playoffs. There's so much talent on this team. And they do have a great defensive head coach and on and on and on and on. And they can absolutely beat um, a lot of these other teams in the NFC North. They were how close to beating both. I mean, if Cousins makes a few throws to open wide receivers, then they beat the Bears, and if he makes doesn't make one really senseless throw in Green Bay, they probably beat the Packers. But here we are at two and two instead of three and one or four and zero. Oh. Um, but if Diggs goes, then I don't know how they get anything out of this offense. Yeah. And we've seen Adam Thielen before be the lone wide receiver, and, and it's not again, good. Again, reminder: BC Johnson is next on the depth chart, and then there's Laquan Treadwell. BB's hurt. Josh Doxson is hurt. I mean, Irv Smith has done a nice job, but he's a number two tight end. Kyle Rudolph certainly can't, um, you know, carry the load. Like Stephon Diggs is their most dangerous weapon, and if he isn't playing, if or if he's demanding a trade or whatever it might be, then this thing has just burned to the ground. It's but hey, feel like good thing we signed Anthony Barr to that long contract. Well, good thing we signed. Xavier Rhodes I, and all these other defensive I players. I did suggest other wide receivers in the offseason, yeah. but one of them turned out to be a psycho. So yeah, I, that one probably I don't want to take out. full responsibility for that one. And the other one got suspended for PEDs and is coming back this week. So I kind of went over two on those. Um, but if that's where we've gotten, and I don't know that for sure, but we, he's not at practice. He hasn't talked. I mean, this, it just everything points that way. If that is the case, if Stefan Diggs wants out, then whoa. I mean, we have gotten to quite a place with this team. And uh, this would be the most sort of dramatic, 
falling apart two and two football team that I think I've ever seen. We don't know it for sure. I guess we just wait and see. So yeah. All right. Reasons to continue to listen to Purple Daily, I suppose. <laughs> Alex Boone tomorrow for the whole show. That always gets wild. Uh, Mackie and Judd with Rami coming up next here. You're listening to Purple Daily. Make sure you download it on Spotify, iTunes, wherever you get your podcasts. Give it the five stars. Give it the review so other people can find it. And we will catch you tomorrow here on Score North. Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar or pie made with fresh Cosmic Crisp apples. There are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays, and Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone. This holiday season, Peloton's got a gift for you. Get up to $200 off accessories with the purchase of a Peloton bike, Bike Plus, or Tread. And take your workout to the next level with accessories like non-slip grip dumbbells, a heart rate monitor, cycling shoes, and more. Peloton, motivation that moves you. This limited time offer ends December 25th. Visit OnePeloton.com to learn more. All access membership separate. Offer ends December 25th. Cannot be combined with other offers. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com.